It's planting season, and it's not too late to make sure your crops grow up fed and happy. Regardless of your spring crop, Fed and Happy offers a variety of worm-casting solutions in liquid and solid form to supercharge your soil, your yields, and your profitability. For fast, vibrant germination and seedling growth, mix your seed with Fed and Happy's screened granular castings pre-drilling. The Fed and Happy liquid seed treat and extracts offer the ideal mix of soluble solids loaded with living beneficial biology, mycorrhizal fungi, humates, and more. The Fed and Happy small spreadable castings are ideal for fast, easy soil incorporation. The large offer long-term stability and soil growth. But you don't have to figure this out on your own. Just call 833-GO-WORMS to speak with our farm team experts for a fast turnaround on a custom solution for your needs. Fare better against pests, disease, drought, and other potential hazards this season with Fed and Happy Worm Castings. Visit FedandHappy.com for a healthy harvest and any lawn, garden, and tree care needs. Available for pickup and on-farm delivery. That's F-E-D-N-Happy.com. Or call 833-GO-WORMS. Happy planting. Welcome. You're listening to Casually Baked, the podcast. Home base for the can of curious. Thanks for tuning in. It's high time. We had a high time. Together. Together. Yes, it's high time. We had a high time. Hi, y'all. I'm Joe, your host and cannabis lifestyle guide. If you're anything like me, you have a love hate relationship with following the rules. I appreciate order and safety, but sometimes when I'm told to do something that makes no sense to me, I want to rage against the machine. If you're one of the haters of cannabis legalization and the rules and regulations that come with the capitalism of our favorite plant, then I think you'll appreciate this episode. While in Humboldt for harvest, I spent time with farmer friends now cultivating as licensed growers. It's one thing to put rules down on paper and a whole other thing to put them into practice. During the early days of legalization, there's a lot of trial and error in operational compliance. Like 12 other states across the country, California selected METRIC, that's M-E-T-R-C, as the state's track-and-trace system used to track commercial cannabis activity and the movement of it across the distribution channel from seed to sale. That system has four main functions. One, track. Monitor and verify reported cannabis inventories in real time for all licensed cannabis businesses and for all licensed types in the industry. Two, trace. The ability to follow a product back to its origins should it become a public health concern, hold it in the system, and alert licensees of the problem until it is resolved. 3. Trend. Proactively analyze inventory data to assess risk, distinguish between compliant and non-compliant behavior, identify taxable events, and evaluate public policy. And 4. Report. Utilize trended data to brief stakeholders, 
construct regulatory and criminal cases, and share aggregate data with the public. Listen, talking regulations might be dry, but I promise it'll be a whole lot more fascinating if you smoke up. Regulators, smoke up, because it's time to get casually baked. I got the bottle of wine, the high dollar kind. I got the West Coast smoke, but I better just take one. First, you'll hear from our friend Johnny Casali at Huckleberry Hill Farms. He operates a craft cultivation on his own. I wanted to know how user-friendly the metric system is for a small farm without employees to stay compliant, all while maintaining healthy plants and optimizing yield through harvest. Okay, Johnny, I've been following you around like a little apprentice for the past two days, trying to get a sense of what life is like in this regulated market with you going through harvest. And this track and trace system is kind of crazy. So tell me about kind of what I've been walking through with you and the headaches that you're finding and in being a compliant farmer during harvest. Well, first of all, let me say, or at least let me apologize for being grumpy. But part of that has to do with, um, you know, all the added pressure and really how much is at stake with what we're doing and um, part of the pressure and part of the stress that I'm feeling at this time, especially being here on the farm by myself, is part of the new regulatory process from the state of California, which requires us to be in a metrics track and trace system. And really, I like to look at my time I have in a day as a piece of the pie, and there's just really no more pieces of the pie left, especially if uh, at the end of the day, I'm still planning on trying to make myself dinner or take a shower, do my laundry or pay my bills, you know, the things that normal people do. Yeah, adulting. Adulting. And so, um, you know, the track and trace metrics is really learning um, from us what's possible and what's not possible. And... You know, if you have a bunch of employees and stuff, it makes it life a lot easier. But for myself, you know, it's just an added thing that I have to do. And and to be required to make multiple harvests on a plant and to keep track of that plant throughout, you know, the drying process, throughout the bucking down and to create batches when when I'm really trying to do quality control and trying to grow the best possible product that I can. A lot of times that requires me to do harvests that are really like, one to two weeks in between off of the same plant. So to try to keep track of that and to try to buck it all down and to try to put it all in the same batch, it just has really become a lot of extra work for myself. Whereas it would be really nice to say, look, this is all the same strain. Let's just put it all in the same bucket and all in the same batch. And then we'll do all the testing and everything we have to do from there. It's just... But you're having to do that for each individual plant. So you're harvesting a plant and the top half of it's ready, but the bottom half could go a little bit longer. Now you have to decide, okay, do I want to spend an extra four hours of organizing and keeping this stuff separate or do I just cut everything now? Is that ends up being the decision that has to be made in that moment? 
Yeah, that's definitely the decision. And that's really what separates the small craft Emerald Triangle farmer from big ag. And we don't want metric to now dictate the way we start to cultivate because now that changes us and that makes us the same as big ag does. So we don't want to cut the plant, the whole plant down. We want to cut the tops and let, uh, let the bottoms actually mature and finish up and cut everything at the right time. And that's really what makes us different, is to care for each individual plant separately, and that's really what metric is fighting us against. And so that's where I have a problem with the track and trace system, because they're, they're not familiar with how the small craft farmer has to participate in this new regulatory market and actually compete with big ag on a different level, and that's quality. Yeah, certainly. That would make me grumpy too. So I'm no grumpy. I'm grumpy needed. today. I'll be over it uh, <laughs> probably in a month. So what's what's the solution? Are they listening to you? I mean, I know you have a a voice. You're kind of like a a team captain, if you will, of the craft growers in this area. Are they being receptive to these things that you're telling them? Yeah, I think so. I think. Um, I think there's a lot of different organizations that are saying the same thing. And they are hearing us and, you know, eventually over time they will probably or hopefully change the way they ask us to do things. But right now, today, this year, this is what we're required to do. And even though it doesn't make sense, there's nobody at this very moment that's going to make that call like, hold on, let's, let's, don't require, require them to do all these extra things that really caters to a farm that needs to have multiple workers or a bunch of different workers. And for me by myself, it just, it, it really is discouraging and it's in my blood never to quit. And so I won't, but it's, it, it rubs off on a lot of people that I'm in touch with. And especially, I think you're familiar with what that looks like today. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, it's one of those things that I think when you go at it from a consumer's perspective. So now when I'm shopping, and I know that I'm paying considerably, you know, higher sum for the cannabis than I could get on the gray or black market. I'm at least seeing a lot of the reasons why that's more expensive. There's just a lot more steps involved now where, you know, you're trying to give or the state is trying to give that assurance to the customer that you're getting completely clean cannabis batch by batch. The philosophy is great, but the execution is hell for you guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it's really, um, I really try not to come across as trying to complain about what we have to do. I'm just trying to, to make sense of what we have to do and try to um, not just put us all in the same batch and, and say, look, all cultivation projects are the same. Let's, let's identify this, the certain areas, whether that be Southern California versus Northern California or the Emerald Triangle and Big Ag. Different properties or different areas should be allowed to maybe cultivate differently. Um, not like we have to abide by different rules or we get any kind of benefits, but just doing the things that really make sense and making, making those calls as you see need be. So, um, I don't know if that will happen. I'm hoping and I'm hopeful that it will. Um, because that as a single farmer on this place, that's kind of what I need to be able to survive. Yeah. And I recall a couple of times over the last two days where you're saying, 
I would normally not do it this way, but having to follow these rules and regulations, like this is the way that they're trying to force me, which means they're changing, you know, the way I've been doing something for over 30 years. And, and that's ultimately what makes the Emerald Triangle and the way I cultivate special and different than right. anybody else. And so if you change that and you put us in their same category and you make us cultivate the same way that Big Ag is doing, then all of a sudden we become Big Ag and then we're no longer are we special and unique. Yes, we have these unique and special strains. They'll eventually probably get a hold of those somehow and then we'll be exactly the same. But... Uh, for right now, I think this year we're pulling it off. We're going to be different. We're going to be special. We're going to be unique. We're going to educate the consumer why we're that way and why we're producing some of the best product in the world. Right on. And I can't wait to smoke it. <laughs> All right. Well, you're going to have to come back next week uh, and I'll try to be less grumpy. Uh, I'll drink a lot less coffee and, and we'll try again. <laughs> it's a deal. Okay. I appreciate you. And we appreciate you. Well, thank you. <laughs> Next, you'll hear from Chris Challens, who serves as Compliance Director for Island Mountain Originals. His full-time job is track and trace. So Chris and I discuss the pros and cons of metric and ways to make it work better for our farmers. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jill. How are you? I'm good. I think it's really cool that you're sitting down talking to me right now because you're you're up in it in harvest right now. So it's a busy time. Mm -hmm. Fully immersed in tracking and tracing <laughs> and just basically every aspect of what there is to do up here. Yeah. Right now, so. And I've been up here talking to a lot of farmers over the last couple of days and metric. Oh, everybody is completely overwhelmed by it. Every stage from seed to sale, you have to track where the plant goes anytime it makes a transition. Yeah, and, it's like um, wearing an ankle monitor. It's completely, <laughs> it is more regulation than exists in any other area of agriculture. And so I've talked to some people about the importance of it. We know it's good, mm -hmm. but I've been diving in deeper and witnessing firsthand how it is in real life trying to execute this. And so what I'm finding is that the people that created the rules have never really been through a harvest process. Mm -hmm. They've actually, most of them have never even spent time on a farm from I what I understand. That. I believe that. I, I've gone to several of the trainings and the metric people are constantly fielding questions from a multitude of farmers who are really struggling with the process and a bit frustrated with it and um, trying to get some of them to come out and actually see how it looks on the ground so that maybe... I think as things move forward, the metric system will start to reflect a little bit more and more what's actually going on on the ground. But. Yeah. And it's just going to take that collaboration. And it's just like any new app or anything that comes out. I mean, it's basically in beta right now. Mm -hmm. It is in beta. You just got to figure it out. And so tell me what your experience is with it. Tell me what you do. I arrived on this farm, Island Mountain Originals, um, in, at the end of 2017, where I was scoped out for uh, potentially being the compliance officer on the farm, doing everything involved with interacting with the state, the county, metric, cannabis conservancy, our, our sustainability certifier, all of the fun paper and computer work that nobody else wants to do. 
that, um, that you're so good at. <laughs> it's <laughs> I came from consulting before this and I do have a most of my jobs before this have been computer based and I You know what I want to pause for a yeah. second. Does everybody hear that? This is someone who came from a data and computer and consulting background mm. and he's utilizing those skills in an industry that he's passionate about. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm telling you to do. Keep going. Keep going. Sorry to interrupt. And so no, it's fine. I when I when I left I thought I I really want to be outside. I want to be around plants and just doing something that fulfills me a bit more than sitting in an office all day working for the military. Yeah, spying um, on people. Mm -hmm, spying yeah. on people, exactly. <laughs> so this is something that I can bring to the table and offer that is actually in very high demand right now because yeah. a lot of farmers are really struggling with this. And most everybody who came up here came up here to get away from I know it's hard to make a spreadsheet on the oversight. back of a feed sack. Mm -hmm. Indeed. <laughs> so I make spreadsheets all day long, expense reports, and I keep track of everything involved in the metric system. Here we go. With... That's okay. This is this is part of it. Mm -hmm. Oh, and a four-legged. Oh yeah, we got our dog pack. We got we got Peepaw right going? here. Hi, Peepaw. Little French bulldog. Hi, peeps. If you didn't listen to last week's podcast, it's all about pets and cannabis. <laughs> He's like, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. <laughs> she usually attacks people's feet, so you're, <laughs> she must like you. Of course. So, okay, so tell me when you're working with Metric here at the farm, tell me what that's like right now during harvest. So it's... It's very time intensive. It's it's overwhelming to a lot of people because it's a lot of new it's a totally new way of operating basically in the era of regulation as we transition out of prohibition. It is a lot of time spent on the phone with metric support, with distributors, with so what kind of data points are we talking? Like they've got the ankle monitors on and they're mm -hmm. moving all over the farm now. So they're going from as soon as clones or seeds come to the farm, there's a transfer manifest. And that transfer manifest documents the transition from one license to another license. Those clones get one stamp per hundred clone cuttings. You track the life cycle of them as they go into the four inch pots. Okay, so time out. Give me the cliff notes of like how this is all moving through. Say okay. we're in the elevator together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're on the 20th floor and we're coming down and mm -hmm. you have to tell me everything by the time the doors open. <laughs> All right. I'm hitting my down. The doors pitch. are closing. Go. Okay. My elevator pitch from seed to sale, essentially, you've got to be able to. So in the event of a recall, say, let's say by the time something is on the shelf, hey, we've got a problem with this jar had mold in it or something could be anything. How do you isolate the cannabis that potentially had a problem? Right. So it's just like in our food that we're buying. Mm -hmm. So the jar of pickles had a worm in it. So they're going back and they're like, whoa, mm -hmm. like we have to find every one of these jars, gather them all back up. Yes. And I get how that's harder to do with flour. Mm -hmm. So the, the track and trace system essentially allows you to go back. You can isolate it to the packages that went out, like when a distributor buys, say, a seven pound bag of trimmed flour. It could be as simple as that. You can go back further than that to each greenhouse that they came out of, each bed. And before that, the four inch pots, the one gallon pots, so, the clones. Okay. Terribly tedious 
type stuff that's it going is. on here. And you're, you know, I was seeing the tags today. They're these little plastic tags and they are on the bottom of the plant. And then mm-hmm. after the plant gets cut down, it's basically like just kind of tossed in with it and like wrapped up. And then, you know, like this one little tag goes on a hook in front of this row that's curing stoners making sure they don't lose that tag is my first red flag like (laughs) that's a lot of responsibility for one little piece of paper Mm -hmm. and if that (laughs) piece of paper gets lost then things get lost in the shuffle and all of a sudden where did this come from nobody knows right so so that's what makes your job right now so curious to me because it's one of those things where you're in the middle of harvest and you told me, you know, I'm getting carpal tunnel from sitting in front of my computer doing oh, yeah. all the paperwork. Mm-hmm. Whereas last year I was essentially learning every aspect of the grow cycle. Like I would be out mm-hmm. in the greenhouses harvesting and we were a part of the Cal Origin track and trace system, which was discontinued at the end of the year. So it essentially, it turned out to be a very expensive training program for metric. Okay, which Um, one do you think metric is better already than that one? Metric is easier. There's actually less to account for. It still captures the same information, but it's easier for whoever is doing the input. You don't have to input every individualized pound. And um, there are less stages that have to be accounted for. Yeah. Basically, um, you should probably host a meetup as somewhere in Garberville. Are you having problems with your metric system? That would be <laughs> packed full every I time. Mean, you know, if you've got a pretty good handle on it and you wanted to do a service to the community. That's a, that's a good <laughs> idea. That, that would be a service, I think. Just think about all the things that you need in return and we'll just create a little barter system. <laughs> I am... Passing out metric training in exchange for what kind of flower you guys got. Okay. Well, if they're tracking and tracing it all, that's... That makes it harder. (laughs) Yeah, but we all have a personal stash. We all get our six plants, right? We can. Yes, indeed. So how does that work? Do the employees have their own little section? So technically, they all have to be, <laughs> that has to be, it has to be a residence to do that. So on, oh, got on it, a, got it. official so property can't. where you're in worker housing, no, we don't get our own, Boo. but it is unfortunate. <laughs> we would all like to have some flavors of our own. <laughs> so riddle me this, if, we, if you were going to tell us like the one thing that you would like to get changed about the metric system based on your personal experience using it in the field, what would that be? So right now, when the plants are planted in the beds, every single plant has to have its own individual tag. That's really time intensive. And for the guys planting, that can take, I mean, that that adds hours to your day. And it's even harder if you go back and do it later. Last year, I was tagging every plant. I was on hands and knees, just crawling, putting tags in. It took It took three days to do. I think you could actually conceivably do it where you have one tag per bed. You could divide the bed up by section. You could say this is section one, this is section two, section three. A couple tags to account for, say, the 200 plants in a bed instead of 200 tags and 72 hours and six guys. Yeah, so if you've got two rows of Doc OG and Mm -hmm. two rows of SFBOG and that's... 40 plants but you could use two tags Mm -hmm. and conceivably you could that tag could say 40 plants forbidden fruit 60 plants doc og and that tag could be placed on the side of the bed where the plant that 
row begins, where it ends. And that would capture the same information. I think it's just a matter of the, the people designing the system not having spent enough time on farms, seeing exactly how it works. Um, and that will be fixed. They are trying to come out and do tours and kind of yeah. learn a bit more to And I have heard that. Mm -hmm. I've heard that they're receptive. And that's all you can ask for. Because you don't trying. know what you don't know. And if everybody's willing to come to the table and collaborate and right. do it in a good spirit and have a sense of humor. Right. I find that the trainings I've gone to... Yeah, I mean, you will see a lot of farmers who are just frustrated and will just have, oh, yeah. like, th these meetings can get a little bit hostile just with, as with any big bureaucratic system, there's not enough of the human element of understanding exactly how things work Certainly. as it's happening. And the fact um, that there's only a certain number of hours in the day. And right. if a farmer of one or a team of three, mm -hmm. you know, you have to sleep. <laughs> you Indeed. have to be able to eat. There are times where it's like, okay, you know, we need to harvest mm -hmm. early in the morning or we have to stay up all fucking night harvesting. Right. And here, I mean, we, th they basically created a full-time job for me to be the person who comes in and manages, oversees all of this. And a lot of farms, I don't think there is even a designated person to do it. It's, you've got the owner trying to not only oversee everything that's happening on the land, but then at night, they've also got to worry about all the tracking and tracing. And mm -hmm. it's such a tremendous time sink. I think it's getting better. And it will, as, as the years go on and they, they dial things in, it will get easier. It'll start to reflect things better. Yeah, if all these farmers survive that long. Which, yes, mm -hmm. is a big concern. Yeah. yeah. That is a big concern. And... As Job says, we will survive that long. Well, and I say that I should probably let you get back to it. So yes, indeed. Happy harvest. And thank you for making time for me today. And good luck to you and the crew at thank Island you, Mountain Originals. Thank you, Joe. And thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Once the harvested flower is off the farm and travels through third-party testing, it arrives at the manufacturing facility where it might be sold as beautiful nugs or pre-rolls, or oftentimes extracted into concentrates, which will get sold as is or processed into your favorite edible, drinkable, sublingual, tablet, breathable, or topical ointment. A lot of shit happens in a manufacturing facility, and it's important that it's all on the up and up. One flower can turn into a myriad of things you can smoke and consume. So regulations, they're our friend. Since cannabis is newly regulated, industry standards are still being defined and implemented. Enforcing those rules is also a challenge, as state cannabis officials, well, shit, they're learning right alongside the rest of us in the industry. And everyone isn't in it for the love like me, y'all. Cutting corners because you can... That's common shit. But, you know, not just in cannabis, in life in general. That's why I'm a finicky shopper. I really need to trust a brand. And when it comes to cannabis, a certificate of analysis is what it takes. Since the beginning of recorded history, people of authority have blatantly taken advantage of the system. That's why we mistrust authority and government. But when it comes to things I'm eating and drinking and inhaling... I want that shit done right. So I called up two OGs from the world of ops, regulations, and quality control. 
Mary Goff and Angie Kwong combined their experience from the highly regulated worlds of pharmaceuticals, dietary supplements, and the food industry to create CSG Consulting. These ladies organize and assist companies with introducing new ingredients, cannabis, CBD, and food products to market. Listen to their firsthand knowledge of regulatory policies, quality, and operational processes, and what they all mean to you as a consumer. You got your face fixed up nice with all those little, little colored lights. Mary and Angie, thank you so much for driving up and actually driving down, I should say, and joining me in the studio. We've got some really technical shit to talk about today, but you ladies, I know, are going to help us bring it all together. You know, I've been spending a lot of time out on farms with these small sun-grown cultivators during harvest this season, and I'm getting to watch them put all of these legal practices and all of the track and trace and the metric system and all the stuff they're having to do. I'm getting to see that in real life. And so I was really excited to be connected to the two of you so that we can kind of find out why all this stuff is so important. Mm -hmm. If you understand why, I feel a lot of times we have a better appreciation of things. And right now, everybody hates all of the rules and regulations. And so I feel like you ladies are going to be key in helping us appreciate why they're there. So thank you for being here. Well, thanks. Thanks, thanks for having us. Um, tell me a little bit about CSG Consulting and how the two of you got started in all of this. Um, CSG Consulting, which stands for Clicky Schoolgirls, by the way, um, was... Spelled C-L-I-C-K-Y. Yes, yes. Because <laughs> we're not sure whether people can spell clicky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was true. Um, Angie and I met uh, working for a dietary supplement company in uh, Northern California almost 10 years ago, and... Uh, Angie ran the quality department and I ran the operational department at that company. Um, we did very well, worked very well together. Um, you know, one of the comments that Angie made to me was when I first started, she, she was there about six months before me was, oh, wow, an operations person that gets it, that gets quality. And that made a big difference for us. We were able to successfully um, improve, you know, uh, many, many processes and procedures at that facility, um, not only in the quality departments, but in the operational departments too. And if you produce good quality product, you're going to get good efficiencies and, and good output. Um, so that's always been one of my, you know, um, goals. And I know Angie's too. Yeah. And, you know, what is so applicable to the industry now is that this was a botanical company. So, you know, we have herbs and Absolutely. we have herbs. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> we totally understand the quality. You know, I mean, we're using the herbs as medicine. Mm -hmm. So the quality and the standards that, you know, we impose on these, you know, our friends here mm -hmm. are really important. Yeah. Absolutely. And yeah. I remember growing up and we weren't in an age where supplements were, you know, used all the time and right. people thought you were crazy or this yeah. was some witchy stuff you were doing. People were really on guard about it. And so, you know, you kind of are, have already gone through all of this stuff before. Yeah. yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah. We totally, get, you know, I mean, you know, I came from pharmaceutical, which is like drugs, you know, small molecule compounds or biotechnology um, drugs. But, you know, now we're getting down to the earth 
And these are plants, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and, you know, we're ingesting them, we're drinking them. So the purity and the quality is like so important. Yeah. So we realized, you know, that um, California was going to be coming um, on with, you know, legal recreational marijuana um, eventually. You know, the signs looked very good. Um, I spent most of my adult life in Colorado, so I saw the great success there. So we decided to um, start our own consulting group and um, went after the cannabis market at that point about four years ago. Yeah, that was hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trying to get people to understand, to appreciate, you know, the quality aspect of a manufacturing facility is um, was, was tougher than we expected. Oh, yeah. yeah. And especially when people have been just doing this in their own way, yeah. you know, in their own spaces, making things work, right. you know, making the space work for them, not really creating in a clean room. Jeez, right. Most of them are scarily not clean, <laughs> but you know, yeah. So four years mm -hmm. ago, everything was new. So most of them probably couldn't even afford to have a consultant at that point. No, that, no. that, that was, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Especially I mean, in quality. Yeah. You know, you spend so much money starting up your company, you want to put all your energy into the manufacturing, into the marketing and sales, and hopefully quality would come along with it. So, and you know, the price tag was scary, was scary to a lot of people. But gosh, the price tag for not being Thank compliant you. is right. way scarier. That's right. Right. I mean, just, just the regulations alone, you know, I think a lot of people, like you said, you know, they were black market, you know, this, this um, market where they could get away with, um, you know, um, not having a clean environment or not following any type of consistent procedures. Um, and we see what's happening with that right, right now right. with all of the vaping news yes. right now yeah. where people are getting these lung illnesses or, you know, dying, God forbid. And, you know, and it really is all about people consuming and inhaling things that they should not. Right. Right. Yeah. Having no, there's no control over the products that they're, you know, they're using right now, unless they're buying it through, you know, a licensed dispensary. Um, buying black market is, is you're just rolling the dice. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I do, I definitely want to talk about the the farmer's side of things and that business side of things. But while we're kind of here in this area, I'd like for y'all to talk to the listeners and tell them why it's so crucial and important to buy from a legal dispensary. Right. Yeah. You know, I think most people hate government. People don't want to see Big Brother hovering and, you know, micromanaging your operation. But, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but, you know, the FDA is there, this, you know, CDPH, you know, public department of public health, all these agencies are there to protect the consumer, just like food, mm -hmm. right? You don't want salmonella in your chicken. You don't want E. coli in your spinach. I mean, those, and those agencies are there to protect you. So, and certainly there's corruption and that's what course. people hate about government, yep. no matter where in the world you are. Yeah. Right. But if you... Move, move past that piece exactly. it is there as a protection yeah. agency for us yeah and what we're seeing is with especially in california right now um they're you know they're they're definitely making sure that um the licensed manufacturers um and the products they produce they're trying to keep that corruption out as much as possible in the sense that and manufacturer cannot just distribute the product to a dispensary. It has to go through an, an distributor with their own separate license and own regulations. And then the laboratories, which also have to be licensed, 
they're the ones that come and pull the samples and do the testing. It's it's all done without the manufacturer having any input or any you know uh, control over the what mm-hmm. samples are pulled. So that reassures you that you are getting good quality products. Absolutely, and so it does feel like you know once the the grower hands over the product, it's off to the next step. They're out of it at that point, right? right. And then you know so it goes through each of these wholly independent groups Mm -hmm. and it is tested at each phase which is really freaking expensive it is expensive it is expensive i'm I'm just wondering how many people actually know what kind of testing is done on the flowers coming out or you know or the oils or the extracts or the edibles yeah if they listen to this show they know but a lot of people don't. Yeah. And that's that's the whole point I yeah. want to make is like you're going through all of these steps, which means when you get to the point of sale, you're going to be spending way more money than you were used right. to before. But you're also getting a lot safer, right. better produced product. Yeah. You're guaranteed that the product you are ingesting or smoking, whatever, is, you know, is safe and of a particular standard. Let's just take an edible. Let's just take a brownie. Brownies are tested for potency, of course, right? And even the potency has to be, you know, if it's a 10 milligram cookie, then it has to be 10 milligram THC plus and minus 10%. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be 15 milligrams or 20 milligrams or, you know, five milligram cookie. Mm-hmm. So it's tested for potencies, it's tested for pesticides. It's tested for heavy metals. It's tested for residual solvents, you know, like hexane, butane, what else? Micros. Uh, Micros, of Mm -hmm. course. You Mm -hmm. know, you don't, you cannot have pathogens like salmonella or E. coli. Well, let's see. Those those are the main ones. Those are the main ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. and these are standard panels Mm -hmm. that's required by the state of California. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd have to say state of California is probably the most stringent yes. of states, you know, just Absolutely. working with some of, the, some of the other states, you know, they're, the pesticides panels is shorter, you know. and uh, I did notice that yeah. when I was in Oregon. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel as thorough as it is here. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole Prop 65. And Prop just, 65, yeah, which is crazy. Just, yeah, it just really, really amps up, you know, the restrictions or requirements, I should say here. Tell yeah. me what pro, what's Prop 65? Is that in, in Oregon? No, no it's California. California. Well, not pro, okay, so I just know Prop 64. What's Prop 65? So, so it's a list of compounds that could potentially cause cancer. Mm-hmm. So you can pick up... I see things all the time all that say of, that. Yeah. I didn't know that that's what Prop 65 yeah, was. right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm always like, this is nuts. It's okay. Okay. Oh, well, okay. So we passed it. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We all, (laughs) or some of us did anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's everything from inhalation of sawdust from a saw, you know, to ingestible type carcinogen type products like that. Yeah. I mean, I just feel like if you, if you wake up, you walk outside your front door, there's a chance yes, that's right. that yep. you could get cancer. Yep. Right. Yep. So stay home in your bubble, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so quality is, is really important. I mean, just from edibles to, you know, vape cartridge, you know, vape cartridge. I mean, you know, you probably know all about it. Heavy metals, heavy metals. It's leaching out of the stainless steel, you know, mm-hmm. because 
the cartridge was manufactured poorly out of some factory in Shenzhen. Shenzhen, yep. right? Right. So all that, and, and it's you know people aren't testing it. When we were working for this company, we 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 made sure that we actually sent the cartridges out to have the heavy metals tested. Can you send these cartridges out as soon? Like if the cartridges come in, and a company. A manufacturer is going to start filling them. Can they get that cartridge tested before they fill it? Yes. Yep. Are they? Is that something that's required or? It's not requirement. It's not a requirement. So, but if you're a manufacturer and you know you want to assure your product is clean and safe, then you know you should. You should right. be. And the only way you're, you're going to ensure that is if you if you hire people that understand that that understand quality, and that seems to be. One of the biggest issues we've seen in this industry we were talking about earlier that people don't want to spend the money on the quality side of it. Um, so a lot of things are skipped, you know, or overlooked or yeah. just ignored. That's so short-sighted. Yeah. yeah. You know, as as a consumer, I want to go buy a piece of chicken <laughs> that's free of salmonella. You know, I would go to, you know, whatever store and um, hopefully, you know, it's clean and safe and if there was something wrong with that piece of chicken, the manufacturer can recall it. Yeah. So if you buy it from a black market, you don't know what the hell you're getting. No. Yeah. You know, so no yeah. traceability at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah, there's no recall in the black market. <laughs> there right. is no recall. Right. Now, now with, with the licensed manufacturers, if they are bringing in like these vape cartridges and they don't test them and then they, they, you know, then they send it to the distributor and it is pulled by a lab to test, if they do find these heavy metals in there um, that are above, you know, the allowable levels, they'll um, reject the whole lot, you know, and the manufacturer will lose that. There's still some of them out there that are still gambling with that, um, you know, and but that's a risk they're taking. You yeah. Know? And, and let me ask you this, because I feel like people have devious minds. So if they were dumb and, and filled these cartridges that were testing for heavy metals, they've just lost a lot of money because they technically are supposed to throw those out. Is there something in the regulations that says, okay, if you have this product, you just have to check a box and say you destroyed it? Or do you have to turn it in somewhere? So if you're, you're talking about finished product. Right. So yeah, if I had to recall a thousand cartridges, yeah. could I send those off on the black market or am I having to turn those in somewhere? No, the, distribu to, yeah. Yeah, the distributors, it was required to destroy them. They're, they're required to get rid of them. They, they have control of your product. You don't. The manufacturer doesn't anymore. Um, so it's a, uh, it's a separate entity that's taking care of that. So there are licensed waste handlers. Yes. Okay. So for, in order for you to destroy this batch of vape cartridges, you know, a separate entity, a separate independent entity has to come in and destroy it and give you a certificate, um, you know, indicating that you know, hopefully everybody's legit and not. You okay. Know. Mm -hmm. Well, and that, I mean, yeah. that's good to know because you like to think that there is somebody who has thought through this process yeah. all the way till the very end of what that might look yeah. like. But, you know, when you have new regulations, there's so many times where you're doing something and you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. I need to do something between step nine to get to step 10. But we didn't write that in. Oops, we need to probably yeah. amend this. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, as part of um, 
the regulations, you know, the manufacturing regulations are mirrored after, you know, drug manufacturing, food manufacturing, supplement manufacturing. So basically they want to see that you're able to produce good quality product Mm -hmm. in a consistent manner. So therefore you need to have what they call GMPs or good manufacturing practices. So these are just guidelines that you need to follow in order to produce in a consistent manner. And it'll include things like, oh, I better test all of my starting material, including packaging and including the, you know, the cartridges. I need to have control of everything going in. Yeah. I need to have control during the production. And I need to have control at the very end. That's a whole concept. Right. Yeah. And it's in a, it's no different for cannabis than, than a, you know, producing a tea or a f- cookie or whatever. It's just um, with cannabis, there are more regulations um, around the security. But other than that, it's pretty much the same. It takes somebody to be super organized and on top of things to make sure all this is happening. So that's why y'all are a savior to a lot of these cannabis companies. Do you work with farmers and manufacturing facilities, distributors. Tell me kind of across the board what all groups you're working with. Yeah, We're not working with the farms. Uh, We haven't gotten really into that um, part of it. Um, We're mainly working with um, manufacturers, customers that are doing CBD products, um, body bombs. We're doing, we've worked with some customers on edibles, um, anything from chocolates to cookies to things like that. And we've actually even worked on some, uh, with a group on some sublingual strips. Currently we're working with this uh, new group out of um, just north of here on, they're putting together a hemp extraction company and they're doing it the right way. They feel the same way that we do that they're going to set their facility up, you know, from the start, they're not even, you know, they didn't even have all the equipment in there yet, but they want to make sure that they're doing it right. So they've hired us to come in to um, help them with their organic certification. They want to be organic and then help them with their, all their procedures for the facility itself from, from a GMP standpoint to all the, you know, QA policies and things like that. So when you go into a company, you know, you get them organized, you get it all going, and then you're like, Fly, little bird, you can do it. Or do y'all do kind of a maintenance track with these companies? We can do both. You know, I think um, it's better if we just, you know, set the infrastructure, help hire the right people. Mm-hmm. and get them trained. And at some point, there you go. <laughs> yeah. you just give us a call. Yeah. But, you know, setting the foundation is is critical. And bringing the right people in with the right skill sets um, is also really important. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We've helped quite a bit with product development, you know, with the, the putting that together, helping with specking uh, equipment, the right equipment. Um, more and more you're seeing um, companies out there, um, equipment vendors that are actually um, gearing up towards the cannabis manufacturing industry. So, Absolutely. But, yeah. And I have a couple of good people that I just, I'll send your way Great. before you yeah. leave here today mm-hmm. so that you just kind of have more contacts and collaborative partners in your pocket no it's been and you know the thing is it's fun Mm -hmm. oh come on (laughs) it's kind of a fun product (laughs) well the product is fun but the part that y'all do are the things that most people find to be a headache confusing overwhelming and so if you can make that shit fun then who wouldn't want clicky school girls working Uh, with them That's right. Yeah. Yeah. We're yeah, reading, reading and interpreting those regs are 
holy shit yeah you know you go kind of like how many pages yeah uh, yeah it's in this whole legalese thing too you know it's mm-hmm. like speak english you mm-hmm. know can you just oh yeah i mean <laughs> i write the way i speak and when <laughs> when someone gets a letter or a note or they read an article i've written they say you know i it's like i could hear mm. you saying this to me and so whenever i get in front of just some raw legal document it sounds like a foreign language to me and i'm like i can't i I understand each of these words but the way you put them together i don't know what you're saying i know just even you know we were just signing an nda the other day and i'm going god who came up with this yeah yeah Yeah. but it's you know it's it's all it's on purpose the fda does it on purpose where you know they give you guidelines but it's kind of gray you know and so you're not going to tell you what to do and how to do it right so you just have to interpret that and and we've we've been just doing this for over 30 years you know again it's just a different herb we've been doing it we've been setting up lots of facilities so it's pretty easy for us you know to that's one of the things monica and i talked about yesterday was you know she helped create the rules and regs for the nicotine vaping industry in the eu and um, she was the chief scientific officer for a nicotine vaping company And they did, as a group, get together and say, okay, as a group of scientists, and these are guidelines we've set up, let's help people figure out how to do this. Mm -hmm. Instead of being like, here are the rules, you fucking figure out how to do it, which is what is happening Happening. here. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people, again, can't afford or don't think they need people like Angie and myself to help them interpret the, the regulations. They think they can just fly by the seat of their pants and... That, you know, they may for a while, but they'll be they'll be shut down eventually. And, you know, and that's one yeah. of the things when I was starting my lifestyle brand and media company, I knew I couldn't afford a lot of the things that I needed to do. But I acted like a hermit mm-hmm. and didn't go out to eat and didn't mm-hmm. see my friends mm-hmm. because I knew I needed to register my trademark and right. hire a business manager to help me get my book set up. And, you know, it's like that foundation mm-hmm. I knew was so important. Yep. That I was willing to sacrifice my personal <laughs> lifestyle right. in that short term to make that happen because I knew in the long term I would be winning. Right. It's exhausting to see the companies just cycle through because they're not doing that. Right. Or they can't afford it. I mean, each each city they can charge whatever they want for you know their for their city tax on these manufacturers, and it's it's ridiculous. It's so expensive that some of these you know, small time players that probably have a good product, they just cannot afford to do that. So then they look for contract manufacturers. And and, um, unfortunately, there aren't a lot of those in California yet, too, just because of the expense that it does take, you know, Mm -hmm. to do it right. For people like that, that have an excellent product, and they live somewhere where the regulations are ridiculous, what do they do? Like, is there any sort of group that's speaking out for these people, you know, when it comes to writing the legislation? Like, how do people kind of rattle that cage? Yeah, there are lobbyists, you know, yep. in, in D.C. where I think... Or local. And you local, know, too. Go, yeah. go mm-hmm. to your, you know, go rattle their cages mm-hmm. and say, you know, we need more, you know, licensed manufacturers in our district. Try to understand... Why is it so difficult for the city to issue licenses? Why? Right. It sh- shouldn't be that. It shouldn't, shouldn't be, you know, I mean, what really sucks is that, you know, for especially for the farmers, it's like squeezing out all the small farmers. Right. Yeah. yeah. Because you're looking at, you know, it's like, oh, who can afford it? Well, the big ones. 
the big ones are the ones who has money for the applications and the fees and the inspection and all of that. And then the, the small farmers are all squeezed out. Yeah. yeah. It's like Walmart's coming in. Right. Yeah. It's, Whoops. Well, I know, but it's <laughs> true. I mean, yeah. that's a cautionary tale for certain. The idea of thinking that one day someone can walk into a Walmart and order a pack of smokes and then be asked, would you like nicotine? Would you like cannabis or do you want hemp? Right. <laughs> and getting a pack of cigarettes that just came from some giant industrialized yep. farm mm -hmm. and them not having any clue what the plant means, that it's really medicine, <clears throat> you know, all of that mm -hmm. stuff just makes me crazy. Yeah. And so I liked your point of going locally and just asking the right question yeah. and just saying like, why isn't this happening? Why isn't this available yeah. for us? Yeah. Like they're, you know, it's revenue for our municipality. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if you can go to Safeway and buy salmonella free chicken. I don't know why I keep using chicken, but, <laughs> but if you can go to Maybe Safeway, you're I don't know. <laughs> if you can buy a salmonella free chicken, because there's tons of chicken producers, mm -hmm. you know, so why can't I go and buy good, clean, pure canvas products, well, and, you know, without paying 40% sales tax or, you know, or having uh, to order or, it and order. have it delivered because your municipality yep. has blocked out right. Right. the brick and mortars. Right. Yeah. Most of the cities will have open meetings on the different, you know, agendas with the cannabis licensing. And so if you do just, you know, check with your local authorities and, and you, you can go to those meetings, you know, you can, or you, you can provide um, your input, you know, online with a lot of them too. Do y'all help people in that regard, like educate them on things to do, what to ask, what to say, what data to bring? We, we really haven't spent that much time. We've been so busy with just helping people, you know, the people that want to be legal, you yeah. know, um, it's, it's been, um, just a really hectic schedule for us. We yeah. haven't yeah. had that much yeah. time to do that really. Yeah. Yeah. But we, you know, we, we should. Well, <laughs> and you know, and again, people, I tell people all the time, you're responsible for how you show up right. in the world. You, yeah. sh you feel yeah. empowered to change your right. world. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, people need to get up, get out, do yeah. something about it. And yeah, y'all are traveling all over the place. So you, um, you're not just helping people in California. You were just in Colorado. You right. said y'all are starting to kind of branch more into that hemp space. Right. Tell me about yeah. That. Yeah. We're yeah. helping this group in California, or excuse me, in Colorado, up in the beautiful mountains of Colorado. Um, and we, we met with them about a year ago. Um, so this was a, this is a really good success yeah, story. Good, good story. Yeah. And they, they were to the point where they wanted to make sure they could, you know, pass an FDA audit and they wanted to become compliant, make sure all their GMPs were in place. So we, we did an audit on their facility and gave gave them a long list of corrective actions they needed to take care of, of not only the facility, but their documentation, procedures, policies. We came back um, a year later and they, they had done almost all of it. It just was beautiful. And then this group, the president of this group went to um, Denver and talked with a bunch of um, regulatory attorneys there. And they were so impressed with her and, you know, told her the same thing, you know, when all these other CBD you know, fly by night companies are gone, you will still be standing because you guys, you did it right. You hired people that know what they're doing and you're fo you followed their advice. So very nice. Yeah. It's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, <laughs> it goes back to like buyer beware. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, it's true. Especially when it comes to CBD, at least with cannabis, you know, it's, it's, it's regulated now, you know, mm -hmm. so 
if you go to a licensed dispensary, you are buying licensed products. So the assurance that you're getting good, safe product, you know, is is very, very high. But if you go around the corner, you know, to your friend. <laughs> the, the, the black markets of Oakland. <laughs> yeah. There's there's black market. Yeah, yeah everywhere. I mean, people still have drug yeah. dealers. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So yeah. just just be careful because mm-hmm. you, you don't know what you're getting. Right. You know, I mean, the vape cartridges, you know, what, vitamin E, vitamin D, you know, you could be getting olive oil, you could be, yeah. you know, it could be heavy metals, you know, ridden, who knows? Yeah. So yeah, it's scary. It can be, absolutely. And I think that having someone think about like, okay, it's 2019, I can actually go into a store, I'm going to spend more money, but I'm going to have peace of mind versus, I mean, I can't even imagine living in California and buying black market stuff. But I get that in other cities and municipalities where they have NIMBYs keeping the brick and mortars out of the space Mm -hmm. that it could seem like, you know, it's just easier to get it from my cousin who gets it from, I don't know who, but man, it's, it's just a bad decision these days. It it definitely is. Yeah, Yeah, definitely is. And there's, you know, it's, yeah, it's more expensive, but if, you know, people realize if they help support this industry, you know, it will get cheaper, I guess I should say the taxes will probably come down, leveling Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, it will be just like other industries too, when there's more supply and demand of the good stuff, you know, and then it, like I said, it just helps the, the communities too. And the other thing is, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on where, you know, it feels like there's corruption in the space. I mean, there's corruption everywhere, but, you know, instead of just not participating, it's being louder about it and, you know, being willing to speak up and say like, I want to do things right, but you know, you have to take care of these farmers. That's not okay. So even though you're not a farmer or you're not a small business owner, you know, we want to support our community. And so it's like speaking up and out about mm-hmm. all of that, I think yeah. is so important. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think there's an ice cream truck club. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hear it's CBD ice cream. <laughs> Whoops. Forgot yeah. to turn my phone off. <laughs> I know. Well, at first I was like, what? Is that a phone or is it an ice cream truck? But I kind of liked thinking it was an ice cream truck. Okay. Y'all are working with the manufacturers. I have a soft spot for farmers because I'm a country girl. Do you know people that are doing this sort of consulting for the growers, people who are helping them kind of sort through metric and get their bearings in that regard? Is there a place we can point people? Is Courtney? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, we yeah we worked with this this young young woman who's great because her husband is a grower, um, and she has been working on that end of it, trying to help people get licensed. Um, she's out of the Sacramento area, so we could. Okay. Yeah, we could. Yeah, uh, I'd like to get her info and just add it in the show notes. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of it with farming, you know, from from what I've read and talked to people about, a lot of it's the water management, you know, and the there's been just so so much destruction you know to the uh, waterways of especially northern california because of all these black market growers up Mm -hmm. there so that's a that's a big part of what you know the people that want to go to legitimate (laughs) hello hello (laughs) yeah legal um they you know they it's it's costly to do that so that's part of part of the restrictions they're looking at right now yeah Yeah. and yeah just all of the environmental protections i'm sure that's just a whole whole other 
animal compared to what y'all are dealing with inside the manufacturing yeah. facilities. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. I think farmers have it actually worse. I think they do too. I yeah. mean, it's it's a lot easier. It's to, so costly for yeah. them to get a license and to you know. I, I keep going back to the small farmers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah I mean, and, and the cost of processing the product too yeah. um, cost a lot. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we've talked to several that are small farmers, and they said they just you really don't anymore. They're not making much money on it. You know, if no. they want you know, to, at the end sell. of the day, by the yeah. time they pay taxes on yeah. their on their flour, it's like, yeah. oh shit, I only have five thousand dollars left. Yeah, yeah, for the year, and uh-huh. I just spent. I just know, worked my ass. My off. worked yes. my ass off. Oh yeah, you know? it's not easy work at yeah. all. No. Yeah, 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 definitely not. Very hard. So yeah. tell me what is one of the most frightening things you've ever walked in and seen in a manufacturing facility that you turned around? Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so Mary and I come from like such regulated industries that there's a lot of things that really scare us. Mm-hmm. You know, just even walking in into a edibles manufacturing facility and seeing people with baseball caps that they brought from home or not wearing a beer net or well or just they have, you know, <laughs> like that kind of stuff scares me this is this this is pretty recent too you know this is a company that supposedly um you know had went through and got their licensing and had been inspected and then i went in to help them on a product development and you know the guys don't have beard nets on they they've got you know they got their red bull sitting here their tea and their coffee right you know you know less than 10 feet away from the process itself there's, you know, there's food product all over um, in the same space. Um, and, you know, just shocked, you know, I mean, you, you guys just went through this inspection. Oh, well, they told us we didn't have to worry about that. I said, well, did, were you eating? Were you drinking when they're here? Well, no. So it's pretty obvious that they haven't even read the regs. You know, they're just skating by, by on a, you know, a health department type um, inspection and, mm-hmm. and got away with it. So we see that a lot. Mm-hmm. We've seen some of these facilities where it's the the operators are you know no hair nets no beard nets um, they're you know they're indulging while they're working um, and it's a, you know it's in an old shag carpet got an old overstuffed chair that they're sitting in you know that's all just just reeks of filth you know yeah um, that's been pretty scary that kind of stuff scares us yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and I guess yeah being in a super regulated market I've been into some clean rooms and you know and seen what that's mm-hmm. supposed to look like and the way you just described that that's somebody who's like yeah. oh hey let's get a license yeah. mm-hmm. let's right like, let's make some chocolate let's right. make some chocolate yeah. some you know i mean i freak out when i see a piece of hair in you know my cookie mm-hmm. so but can you imagine you know you're rolling joints and you know god only knows what kind of well know. yeah and i have <laughs> i've actually opened up a jar of cannabis before and i'm like I'm certain that's a German shepherd hair. Uh, (laughs) Yep. Yeah, the dogs are probably. Yep. Yep. You see that too. Yep. Yeah. They have their animals right there because, you know, you know, security dogs. Security dogs. I mean, and my hair is so long and it falls out all the time. So I constantly am eating something and being like, oh, yeah, there's a there's a 13 foot long piece of hair and it's mine. So who cares? You know, but I'm sure that would be grossing. Yeah grossing you out if you're actually in the facility. Someone who is just starting out, what's kind of a a brief overview of of just kind of what these rules and regs mean? Mm -hmm. Like what would somebody be getting themselves into and kind of like that general nut, like how much are they going to have to spend to get 
sure. ready. Sure. So we've, you know, we've worked with a couple smaller companies that from a financial standpoint, they just, they don't have a lot of money. They want to do the right thing. So we've proposed, you know, the must haves, um, what, what is absolutely necessary for them to be compliant. And most of them are more the cosmetic groups, you know, you get more, you get into the food and, you know, the vapes and that there's just, you know, testing that has to be done with cosmetics is not as much if you're looking at bombs and things like that. But you give them the must-haves, proper documentation, the training, you know, in place, you know, you're looking at between probably fifteen to $20,000 um, to do that. Easily. 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 Mm-hmm. So that's Easily. like super low end. That's, that's super, super low, low end. end. Yeah. 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 Depending on the complexity mm-hmm. of your process and, um, you know, the resources you have. Right. right. So if you're really like clean slate and you have nothing in place and you need, you know, somebody like Mary to do all of the operational stuff and you need somebody like me to do all of the quality stuff and you're, ta- you're talking ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000 a month right. on consulting fees mm-hmm. for a duration of, you know, three or four months. Yeah, at least, at least three to four months. Yeah. yeah. To really get up and going. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So well, I'm glad I'm using a contract manufacturer in Nevada for my muscle rub. Mm-hmm. There mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Oh, we yeah. gotta check out your muscle rub. Yeah. Well, I will. I will share a little sample with you. I'm in the process of getting my own financing situated. You know, getting a line of credit, but it's it's really challenging it to. Is. And I'm working with hemp-based CBD, mm-hmm. and it's hard to get someone to lend you money, even yeah. when you have yeah. good credit. Right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Play lotto. <laughs> My Mega stepmom plays the lotto. She says she'll share it with all of us if she wins. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've, Linda, buy a couple extra tickets today. Yes. All yeah, right. please. Yeah. Well, and it's, we, we see that all the time with some of these, these companies we've worked with. Their, their banking institutes find out that they're in the, you know, the cannabis or the hemp, you know, CBD, and they drop them like a dead weight. You know, they don't want mm-hmm. anything to do it. So that's still, that's still something that's you know going to take a while in California. Mm-hmm. Colorado has finally established some banking groups that are independent, made, independent, and you know, in servicing the cannabis industry. But California is a long ways away from that still. So, from all of your experience traveling around, working um, with the different groups, who do you think has who's got the best system in place right now? Like, if we were going to model other states rolling out. Which state are you like, yeah, this is better. This one's smoother. This is the one I like. Yeah. My experience is mainly in Colorado. And I, I, so I've always go back to that. And I think, I think Colorado's done a really good job. You can see it. I'm there a lot because my family's there. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, they're using that tax revenue that, I mean, they have so much tax revenue now that they're using it to help build homeless, you know, facilities. Um, They've, so from not only from a, from the whole regulation standpoint, but just the way they're using that tax revenue to help their state, I think is has been a really great example. Oh, I like that because I had read something about that they were able to give all these graduating seniors full scholarships for their first year of college. Is that, did, oh, have I, you I, haven't, hear? I haven't heard I that. Hear okay, that. that was one. So yeah. one of the counties, that's what I heard that they had done. I need to look that back up. Mm. Somebody can Google and call me a liar if they want to. <laughs> but that was something that I read about Colorado that mm. felt really good. So tell me, you said they're um, also building homeless facilities? Yes. That's yes. so great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, because they have such a surplus because, you know, for the most part, 
Colorado has become, you know, legal. It's, um, you know, you don't even notice it anymore in Colorado. It's just, you know, it's just another business. It was already legal. Is that the word you were, what? It's like mainstream? Yeah, mainstream. There you go. All right. I was like, there's something I'm not connecting a dot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So mainstream that nobody Mm -hmm. even bats an eye anymore. No, they don't. Yeah. Well, but, you know, also the access to black market material is much lower than here. That's true. I mean, that's the problem in California because, you know, the access to, you know, black market, it's like, it's so easy. Oh, yeah. It's so accessible. The farmers that are not participating in the legal landscape are not hurting right now. No, No. they're not. In fact, they're laughing at their counterparts that are like, hey, sucka. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, I mean, and we're not getting the revenue that we projected, Mm -hmm. not even close. So... What can we do? It, I think and it'll then, just I mean, take time. The whole thing is like, we want good, safe product for everybody. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, that's what I'd like to see. You know, I'd like to see that, you know, good, safe product is accessible to everybody. It's yeah. like affordable hair, uh, um, health care. <laughs> it is affordable health care. I know. I mean, <laughs> we you... want to include cannabis in our affordable health care plan. <laughs> yes, please. And if you microdose cannabis every day, you are going to save so much money in the long run yep. on your long-term medical bills. I mean, I pay over $600 a month for, for health what? insurance that I really barely use, Thank but you. I'm at an age that I can't really not have it mm-hmm. and feel mm-hmm. good about it, yep. you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it gets more expensive the older you get too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, look at your little finger there, you know? Yeah, CBD, CBD. Yeah. So tell us what happens. Well, I was jogging in our, our little uh, beautiful um, neighborhood. We have a live by a state park and uh, it's pretty rocky trail. And I, I took my eyes off the trail because this biker went past me and I tripped and tried to catch myself and caught my pinky on the railing of the fence and just snapped it. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. And that happened yesterday. Yesterday. And you're you've been medicating with C B D. I've been <laughs> medicating with C B D, you know, and which is, you know, rightfully so. The doctors don't give you, you know, pain meds anymore because of the whole opiate, you know, um epidemic. So uh, he said, and he told me too, the ER doc said, you know, do whatever, you know, your Tylenol, Advil or C B D if that's what you want to use. So I've been using um it's a sixty to one CBD to THC tincture, and uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a sixty to one. Bought That's... it in Colorado. Okay, <laughs> and uh, it's um, yeah. Sorry, my friend Marsha, if you listen to this, it was supposed to be for you for your back, but it was an emergency. <laughs> it was I, an emergency. It was I'm emergency. Looking at it, I had to, I had to use it, and it's been working wonderful. You know, I'm just doing um, sixty milligrams um, about every five six hours, and it's uh, it's very tolerable. Right on. Yeah. yeah, I feel like when I'm having issues, you know, my chronic neck, shoulder, carpal tunnel stuff, I need to have some sort of an anti, another anti-inflammatory on yep. top of it. Yes. Um, to just kind of help with that pain threshold. And, you know, there are some people that swear like the CBD only works for them, mm-hmm. but if the pain is still throbbing a little yeah. bit, like, you know, supplement, use a yeah, little THC, have an aspirin, right. take an ibuprofen, like, right. yeah. you know, don't just, you don't have to be 
all or nothing right. when it comes to cannabis. Yeah. yeah. It's a good cocktail that I've figured out and it's yeah. very tolerable. Speaking of cocktails, you know, it helps <laughs> to have a cocktail and a little, have a little smoke and uh-huh. <laughs> yes. do a little CBD. Yeah. Anyway. Nice layers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, so ladies, is there anything that I didn't ask you that's kind of important that we highlight about this whole thing? You know, I just want people to understand that the companies that have chosen to be legal have really made a huge commitment to you because it's it's expensive to provide you products it's expensive to be on those shelves in those dispensaries and so you know it may cost more but peace of mind is worth a few extra dollars and you know so that was the big thing i really wanted to drive home today so if there's anything that you know i kind of maybe was one track minded and didn't ask you something let me know. No, I th- and no, you're absolutely yeah. right. Buy from a licensed, dis- um, you know, dispensary, and you'll get good quality product. Yep. How do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about what you're doing? We've been, we've been pretty much <laughs> word of mouth. Um, the nice thing is we're we're working within the circle of people in you know this northern California area, and and one person talks to another person, and right now we're working with with a couple that people that we've met separately and now they're working together. So we seem to be just more word of mouth more than yeah, anything. Yeah, we'll, we'll get it. You know, we got to get our shit together. But, well, I, but yeah. I'm like, you yeah. are you even, yeah. do you even have the bandwidth to take on new clients right now? It depends on the project. You know, if they're short yeah. projects that we can help them with, absolutely. We'll look at that. Um, we have coworkers that are in this industry too, more on the legal side that, you know, may be able to help. Uh, we mm-hmm. will refer other people. Absolutely. If we can't do it. So okay. yeah. Yeah. Um, then email address, email something. address. Yeah. Yep. This is Angie. So, um, it's AKCSG, the number four, U at Gmail. So AKCSG for you at Gmail. <laughs> you know, it's all in the inflection. It yes, is. It is in the inflection. <laughs> yes. Um, and mine is, this is for Mary. This mine is MGCSG for you at gmail.com. Be sure to check the show notes um, yeah. for you. Because, yeah, if I were driving down the road trying yeah. to hear that right yeah, now, I'd be I like, know. what? <laughs> to run off the road trying to figure that shit out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll just, I'll connect all that stuff in the show notes. Okay. But um, thank you, ladies, so much for hanging out with me. I appreciate your insight. And I thank you for what you're doing for the industry and our local cannabis community. Yeah, our pleasure. And yep. thanks for having us on. Thanks. Yep. Thank you. As a consumer, if there's a silver lining to paying more for legal cannabis, getting safe and clean product is certainly it. Everyone I know is frustrated with the way legalization is playing out. Consumers hate the price of legal weed, and cultivators? They take it up the keister with the recalculous flower tax structure and the tedious regulatory steps. It's not perfect, and everybody knows that, and I'd say most are working to make it better. As consumers, we have to do our part to improve the system. So shop the legal cannabis market. And if you don't have dispensaries in your community, take it up with the city council and demand access. Do some homework online and share case studies from surrounding cannabis-friendly municipalities on how it can stimulate your local economy and create jobs. Be willing to create dialogue with your friends and community on the benefits of cannabis in your own life. 
Advocate for your farmers who stuck their neck out to go legal by buying certified products made with clean, craft cannabis that they grew. If you work in the industry and you see something is broken, don't just bitch about it. Be a part of the solution. This is a critical time in the growth of the global cannabis industry. You have the privilege right now to use your voice and shape what this thing looks like. Let's create a foundation that can sustain the people that built it while also providing safe products and high-quality, responsibly grown cannabis flower. I can't imagine my life without it. Can you? I mean, Walmart weed? Oh, make me faint. It's high time. We had a high If you learned something new, I hope you'll share this episode with a friend or cannabis colleague. And if you have ideas, questions, or comments, I'm all ears. I mean, well, actually, I'm not all ears, but I'm certainly willing to listen. (laughs) Message me online at casuallybaked.com or DM me on social. I'm at casuallybaked. If you appreciate what you hear on this show, Please rate and review Casually Baked the podcast on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for helping my seedling of a show grow like a weed. (laughs) Next week, we're exploring the the back-to-the-land lifestyle and how it built a community. In the meantime, check out the Voices of Harvest bonus series out now celebrating the craft of cannabis farming and the art of storytelling. Puff, puff. Pass it on. We had a time together. Casually Baked the Podcast was created, recorded, and produced by yours truly. Editing and sound design are in the capable hands of Arnav Gupta. The podcast theme music is by my highly talented friend Seth Walker. If you aren't familiar with Seth's music, you can find High Time on his album Gotta Get Back wherever you're buying your music these days. I know he didn't create high time for me, but it sure as shit sounds like he did, right? I hope you'll tune in next time. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.